Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is... To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The two one swung line drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Green. He's the front of the plate. He is. Nice. Nice run. This is the Powers on Sports podcast. Welcome back, Powers on Sports podcast. We have hit the month of November. Hopefully you had a nice Halloween weekend and some good stuff on Monday night for Halloween. Hopefully everybody stayed safe and sound. Didn't eat too much candy and all that good stuff. I'm your host, Jason, down in Tampa, Florida. Appreciate you finding us. Um, We have got a good, good episode for you this week. We are going to break down the Tennessee-Georgia showdown in Athens this weekend in depth. Got Vince Ferrar from 99.1, the sports animal in Knoxville. Going to join us. Again, we're going to get a full breakdown of the Tennessee-Georgia matchup, offense, defense, kicking game, coaching, everything in between. So you're going to enjoy that uh, breakdown. Again, this is a de facto college football playoff game this weekend. More than likely, the winner of this game is going to be in the SEC title game at undefeated. And it can theoretically potentially afford a loss even in the SEC title game um, if they were not to win the SEC championship in uh, in the title game. Whereas that the loser is going to be on pins and needles, even if they run the table, whether they're going to have enough to get in and they're going to need some help probably from some other people to get in the playoffs. So this is this is a de facto, your first playoff game of the college football season, which should be a classic in Athens, 330 CBS. Give a shout out to my guy, David Moulton, who's on the part of the CBS broadcast, been on this podcast several times in the past. He'll be in the booth with Danielson and Brad Nessler. And also, Mr. Mr. Moulton is also part of the ESPN telecast on Monday Night Football uh, with Buck and Aikman. So, shout out to my guy, David Moulton, who will be in the epicenter of the college football world this weekend in Athens, Georgia. We're also going to talk to my other guy down here in Tampa, TJ Reeves, part of Buccaneers Radio. We're going to break down all things uh, NFL about the midpoint of the season. We're going to go through the AFC, the NFC, what's wrong with the Bucks. Can they recover? What's wrong with Rodgers? We're going to talk a little uh, World Series. We're going to talk a little college football, a little boxing. Had a big match over the weekend, Jake Paul and Anderson Silva. Is Jake Paul a legit boxer? Is he just doing this for some paydays? We're going to get TJ. TJ hosts Big Fight Weekend Podcast, so he's very dialed into the boxing world. He also hosts Three Dog Thursday Podcast, which goes over underdogs in the college football and NFL world. So we'll, have, we'll talk to TJ about lots of different things. You'll enjoy our chat with TJ. Before we get to TJ and Vince, want to me- let you know this podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's down here in Tampa on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue in the Carrollwood Forest Hills area. Again, for all your sports viewing needs, whether it's World Series, baseball, uh, NBA, hockey, NFL, college football, seven days a week they're open. Check out Beefo Brady's Himes and Bush Boulevard. Tell TJ and the and the crew over there that uh, the Powers on Sports podcast sent you. 
We did a live remote there last Thursday night for the Buccaneers-Ravens. We'll be doing a couple remotes there in the month of November. So definitely uh, appreciate their, their partnership as well as Hank's Barbecue in Tampa and Home Slice Pizza Company as well as Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and our favorite realtor, Star Alvarado, here in the Tampa Bay area. So if you have any home buying needs, definitely reach out to Star Alvarado. You can Google her. You'll find her. She's uh, here in the Tampa Bay area. Does a great job both with sellers and buyers. So a couple thoughts as we before we get to TJ and Vince. This Kyrie Irving situation. One, they just got rid of Steve Nash. It was basically a mutual decision. Good for Steve Nash getting the hell out of that that dumpster fire up in, in Brooklyn. What a bunch of clowns that the Brooklyn Nets are turning into. Kyrie, even even Durant's turning into a clown too. The whole management operation, they fire. They, they get rid of Steve Nash seven games into the year. They're going to bring in Udoka from the Celtics, who's also a, a dumpster fire with all the stuff he had going on with the Celtics, who's suspended. All you need to know is the Celtics asked for nothing in order to negotiate with Ime Udoka, a coach who just took them to the finals last year. They asked for zero compensation, get his salary off the books. He's suspended for a year due to his uh, improper relations with another member of the organization. Um, that's all you need to know. And again, Kyrie Irving with his whole anti-Semitic uh, issues going on. The, the Nets come out on uh, Wednesday night with, oh, we're going to make a donation. The Nets and Kyrie Irving of, of a half a million dollars to anti-Semitic causes. What a joke. Joke. Kyrie Irving is the most toxic player in the last 20 years in professional sports. He is an absolute clown. He ain't that good. He ain't a winner. The, the guy's got some skills, but this guy is nothing but a dumpster fire. If I was the New Jersey or the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant too. I have, I've lost a lot of respect for Kevin Durant, who, who has allowed Kyrie Irving to act like a complete fool. He refused to get vaccinated last year. You know, Durant just sat back, didn't say nothing. Durant is, is just as culpable as Kyrie Irving in the demise of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I'm not going to kill Durant for his off-the-court stuff, but his, in, his, his leadership within the organization has been terrible. His, his decision to, to hook his wagon to Kyrie Irving was, has been a disaster, and he deserve, they deserve everything they're going to get this year. I hope they, I hope they don't even make – they're going to make the playoffs, but I hope they get bu bu busted up in the first round and done. Kyrie and Kevin Durant's going to rue the day. He, he invested his whole four- or five-year period with, with, with Kyrie Irving. Just a complete toxic clown is Kyrie Irving. And everybody in the media who's afraid to call him out and really, really crush him, shame on you guys too because this guy has done nothing but been a, a team killer. We thought Terrell Owens was a team obliterator back in the day. Times three is what Kyrie Irving is. He is the most egotistical, self-centered dude on the face of the earth. And we got guys like Skip Bayless that try to defend the guy. He's an absolute clown, and he should be treated like one. Next up, NFL trade deadline was Tuesday, 4 o'clock. We had an NFL record 10 trades made on Tuesday, the most trades in the NFL on the deadline day since 1990. Some big moves made by the Miami Dolphins, getting Bradley Chubb from Denver, Jeffrey Wilson from the 49ers to shore up their defense. Again, in their running game, again, I like what Miami's doing. They're going for it. Again, they didn't they didn't sell the farm to get Chubb either. So it's going to be a guy that's going to be around for the next four or five years. Nice job by the Dolphins. 
uh, and, and with the with the emergence of two and that offense is really good. Uh, if they can keep two upright, they're going to be a serious uh, pain in the neck for some teams come playoff time. T.J. Hawkinson gets traded to Minnesota from Detroit within the division, which was a little surprising. Another good move by the Vikings to complement uh, Thielen, Jefferson, and Dalvin Cook for another weapon for Kirk Cousins. Their other tight end, Irv Smith, done for eight to ten weeks with a bad ankle, but Hawkinson's a better player than Irv Smith, and I think they got a really good player. He'll be a nice addition to that offense. The Vikings are very quietly six and one, running away from the NFC North. A um, couple interesting teams didn't make any moves: the Bucks, Packers, uh, and Dallas. No moves out of those three teams. Dallas did make a minor move a few days ago for a defensive lineman, but no wide receiver to, to Green Bay, Tampa, or Dallas. A lot of people thought Brandon Cooks would be in the mix. Chase Claypool, who ended up getting traded to Chicago and not Green Bay. Rodgers, not very happy, I'm sure, about that. But the Packers are just in kind of a free fall, not playing very well. They got to figure out a way. Their receivers are just—they're giving, getting nothing out of their, virtually nothing out of their receivers. Got to get some uh, activity. And again, if I'm the Buccaneers, if you, and you're going to hear from TJ talk about the problems with the Bucks and the possible solutions for the Bucks, but. Uh, very active trade deadline. A lot of teams made some moves to, to shore up some things, which I like. You had some moves with the Colts. The Buffalo goes out and get Naheem Himes, a very good third down back. I think that'll be a good move for Buffalo and all that stuff. So it'll be very interesting to see as we uh, get to the second half of the season starting this weekend. World Series, game four underway right now as we're speaking. Philadelphia leads 2-1. As of now, it's 5-0 Houston in game four. They've roughed up Aaron, Aaron Nola in the fifth inning with five with a five spot in the fifth inning. So this, this series looks like it's going to be 2-2 going back to Houston. Uh, I'm sorry, going into game five in Philadelphia, and then game six and seven will be in Houston. Should be a very dramatic weekend potentially for the uh, MLB and the Astros and the Phillies. So stay tuned. I know tomorrow, game five, Verlander's going for Houston against Syndergaard. And then game six, you're going to have, you're going to have Wheeler. Um, and then game seven, you'll probably have Suarez. And in game six, you'll probably have Wheeler and Valdez, which could be a classic game. So very exciting World Series. I like the Phillies in six. I think Philadelphia will find a way. That'll be my, I know they're the underdog, but I like the Phillies in six here in the World Series. And you'll hear some thoughts from TJ as well. A couple more things. We'll get you out of here. We'll get to the, we'll get to TJ and Vince Ferrara. Picks for the weekend. It's some picks I like. I like Tennessee plus more than a touchdown in Athens. I think the offense is going to score some points. I know the Tennessee defense ain't great, but again, you'll hear the full breakdown with Vince Ferrar breaking down this matchup, but I do like Tennessee plus the seven and a half. Tricky game in South Bend. The Irish host Clemson. I like the Irish here plus the three and a half. I think the Irish could win the game outright. I don't think Clemson's great. Good defense at Clemson, but their offense is very mediocre. I do like the Irish in night game in South Bend. Probably will be a little chilly. Give me Notre Dame plus the three and a half. And I really like, I know Missouri's playing well, but give me Kentucky as a pick them on the road in Columbia to bounce back after their beat down. They got crushed last week in Knoxville against Tennessee. I like Kentucky to bounce back and beat Missouri. In the NFL, I like Green Bay minus the three and a half in Detroit. I think the, the mojo in Detroit's not good with them trading Hawkinson, them continuing to struggle. Green Bay's defense actually played pretty decent last week against Buffalo. So I think Green Bay will figure out a way to score some points in Detroit. So give me the Packers minus the three and a half. And I like Cincinnati minus seven against Carolina. Remember, Carolina came off a heartbreaking loss in Atlanta. 
on the road in Cincinnati. Cincinnati got thumped on Monday night by Cleveland. I think you'll see a big effort out of the Bengals on Sunday at home against a uh, de- demoralized uh, Carolina Panther. And speaking of that, DJ Moore, anybody in the NFL, all you bozos out there, when you score a big touchdown late in the game, keep your damn helmet on. You do nothing but cost your team when you take your helmet off. You know you can't do it, but you don't care. And you, when you don't care, you make your kicker make a 48-yard extra point in a tie game when you've just basically pulled out a miracle, Hail Mary, and DJ Moore, you deserve everything you get. You're a losing player when you do that stuff. Winning teams never do that stuff in big moments. Patriots, 49ers, back in the day, they don't do that stuff when you're a winning team. When you win, when you're winning, have a winning culture, it ain't about you, it's about the team. And you damn near pulled out a miracle with a 62 yard Hail Mary. But no, you take your helmet off, you make your guy make a 48 yard field, who ain't a very good kicker to begin with in Pinheiro. Okay, he misses the kick, the game goes to overtime. Pinheiro vomits all over himself in overtime from 32 yards. How he still has a job, I'm shocked. But Duck hooks another ball, and then Atlanta goes down and kicks a field goal with Koo in overtime to win the game. So shame on you, DJ Moore. You deserve it. I have no sympathy for the Carolina Panthers here, and that's what losing teams do. So enjoy the podcast at JPO Sports on Twitter. Again, appreciate you finding us. You'll enjoy TJ Reeves of Buccaneers Radio and Vince Ferrara breaking down Georgia, Tennessee, 99.1, The Sports Animal in Knoxville. We'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. Are you in the market for a new home as we enter the fall? First-time home buyer, you want to upsize or downsize your current living situation? Reach out to Titan Home Lending for all of your home lending needs. If you need an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo, or even a bank statement loan, Titan is the place to help you. We will work with whatever financial situation you are dealing with. Again, from Key West to Pensacola to Orlando to everywhere in between. Titan Home Lending is your home lending source in the state of Florida. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. This podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's Home Slice Pizza and Hank's Barbecue. For all of your restaurant needs anywhere in the Carrollwood Forest Hills area of Tampa, definitely reach out Beefo Brady's. Home Slice Pizza on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, and Hank's Barbecue just north on Dale Mabry, just north of Waters Avenue on the left. For all of your catering needs, whether it's barbecue, whether it's sports bar food, whether it's pizza, anything you need as the holidays approach, reach out to Beef O'Brady's, Home Slice Pizza, or Hank's Barbecue. Games you want to watch Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday night. College football, NFL, NBA is starting, NHL is starting, college basketball right around the corner. Check out all the TVs, all the great setups, all you need for sports viewing at Beef O'Brady's on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. All right, thanks for finding us on the Powers on Sports podcast. We are going to do a little potpourri around the sports world and no better person to do that with than the man who has a potpourri of jobs in the sports world. (laughs) Mr. TJ Reeves, Buccaneer Radio Network, Big Fight Weekend Podcast on the boxing world. 
Three Dog Thursday podcast for the for the college football and NFL underdog world. Well, and about to be a participant in the first ever trip to Munich, Germany for the Buccaneers in another week or so. So welcome back, Mr. Reeves. Always good to be with you. And uh, for those that are seeing us on video, I do always have hats over my shoulder. Yes, I probably do have too many hats, as I keep saying. I could open a Lids store <laughs> right now at the mall if I needed to. But that's, as I keep saying to you, maybe that's better. I guess it is better yeah. than not being busy and not uh, having enough going on, is having maybe too much going on. So yes, a, a ton Wherever you want to travel here, I'm at your disposal on the Powers on Sports podcast. I know you want to emphasize a lot about Buccaneers, et cetera, but we can talk about whatever you like, whatever you yeah, like. Yeah, we're going, to, we're going to go around the NFL world for a couple minutes. We're going to get a World Series thought. We're going to get a little college football, and I'm even going to get a little – let's start with the boxing since that was most recent. What would you think of the Silva-Paul fight on Saturday night? I actually, I actually was out somewhere and actually watched the entire fight. Um, is Jake Paul – is this just him wanting to – fight guys that he knows not only knows he can beat but non-legitimate guys or does this guy legitimately have a have a beef where he wants to be a legitimate boxing guy you're a you're a uh obviously an insightful guy we're hearing that every week on powers on sports and you've hit on the key question with this is it going to go to the next level where the youtube social media influencer turned boxer now starts to fight legitimate boxers it's got to get to that point. I mean, the hardcore boxing fan has hated this really for the last couple of years. Uh, the only thing that, that I can say is he's early in his career. He's taken advantage of everything at his disposal for attention, for money, for yeah. whatever um, that goes along with it. And he's maximized that. But now you're at the point where you got to go fight legitimate fighters. And look, um, two points. First of all, the guy he was fighting is an MMA UFC ultimate fighting legend in Anderson Silva, but, but he's 47, 47. That's correct. So it's a, but it's a qualifier on being able to beat him because you could make the argument that a younger guy that, that had some skill or whatever may have had Jake Paul in some trouble because Anderson right. Silva hit him a bunch, right? And he's got to tighten up his defense. By the same token, I'm not shilling for Jake Paul here on the Powers on Sports podcast. He doesn't need it anyway. He's got millions and millions and millions engaged every which direction on his Instagram, his YouTube, uh, TikTok, everywhere. But he was trying to fight legitimate boxers earlier this year two different times. One of them is the half-brother of Tyson Fury, the WBC heavyweight right. champion. Uh, Tommy Fury, they were, Jason, as you know, supposed to have that fight here in Tampa last December right. the first time and Tommy Fury backed out of it then and didn't show they had it scheduled again for the spring right around May and Tommy Fury again had visa problems had issues what didn't show again didn't show for the press conference and so about two weeks out for the fight they canceled it again so Paul moved on to a, a son of a former heavyweight champion, a heavyweight boxer himself named Hasim Rachman Jr. Yeah. Rachman Sr. was briefly the heavyweight champ in the early 2000s with a knockout of Lennox Lewis. So you got some name recognition. Hasim Rachman Jr. had 13, has had 13 pro fights. Right. He's a legitimate heavyweight boxer, but the stipulation was Jake Paul fights at around 190 pounds. He was not going to let Rachman come in at his usual fighting weight of 220, 225 and give up 35 pounds to this guy. Right. So the understanding was you got to move down in weight and be closer to my weight. The range would have been around 205, 210 pounds. You knock off 15 or 20 pounds and we can have the fight. 
So you get all the way to the finish line of this thing happening at Madison Square Garden in early August with Jake Paul, and Hasim Rahman screws around and doesn't get close to the targeted weight in the time frame that he was supposed to, and Jake Paul says, that's it. We, we were very clear on this. We're not, we're not fighting you if you're coming in the ring at 220 right. or 225. I'm not fighting you giving up 30 pounds when I'm a 190-pounder. Okay, so those two fights have gone away. Bottom line is what you said. He, he's, got the, he's got the buzz on social media. He's got the following. But if he's not going to fight legitimate guys in 2023, I think the interest in this wanes. I don't think the hardcore boxing fans really going to embrace this very much at all. Certainly not until he beats a bigger name or two, because even if he beats a name, hardcore boxing fans going to say, so what? That's a fluke. That's a lucky thing. You, you won a fight. He's going to have to beat, if you follow me, two or three guys, I think, for the hardcore to come around. For the casual sports fan, for the casual boxing fan, I think if he fights a little more credible boxing uh, bread competition, I think he can still stick around. Clearly, we know this. He sold out the Emily Arena in downtown yeah. Tampa. He sold out that arena the other night in Phoenix. They were not giving tickets away. They sold over 14,500, over 14,000 tickets in that one. He sold out the downtown Cleveland arena August of last year right. where the Cavaliers play. Who were a couple Who were a couple of names that we, the boxing fan might know in his weight class I, that is potential guys he could fight. Again, I, I can't believe he would go back to Tommy Fury, who, again, has gotten the name because of his brother. From a cruiserweight standpoint, I don't really know that there's a noteworthy – name that the casual fan would go okay i know who that guy is like for example the heavyweights where deontay wilder from alabama right, is right fury is anthony joshua those guys are much bigger than him and they're never fighting him that's not right. going to happen right so i i don't know in that lull who it is and it wouldn't be a big recognizable name but boxing fans might know a couple of the names that get kicked around and we'll see if it moves up and paul could fight a legitimate boxer and then go back and fight another kind of celeb MMA guy. That's and what we want to see. We want to fight, see him fight a boxer, and not so an then, MMA guy. I mean, who knows? But for right now, it is what it is. He got the decision the other night. He's got his fan base. He's got his money. He's got his fame. He yep. keeps mentioning the name Canelo Alvarez. Canelo near the end of his career. Canelo Alvarez would destroy him, Jason. Yeah, right. He in would. terms of skill, in terms of power. I mean, he can blab on and try to sell that, but, I mean, no one wants to watch that. He gets squashed by yeah. Canelo. So that's not happening, but we'll see what happens next with Jake Paul. All right, let's go to the World Series. 1-1. We're taping this on Tuesday. Rain out on Monday night. Your thoughts? What do you think? Philadelphia, the underdog kids here. Big crowd in Philadelphia the next three nights. What do you think? Are you like me? where I, I have uh, I have no use for either of these teams because <laughs> Philadelphia, we hate automatically in Tampa Bay, have never forgiven the Phillies for beating the Rays in the 08 World Series. We know right. all about the Eagles and the Bucks, the Flyers and the Lightning, uh, of which Tampa Bay has the upper hand when you talk postseason on e either the Eagles or the Flyers. Um, but yeah, with the Phillies playing the Astros who cheated their way to all their success and several of the same guys from Altuve to Bregman to others are still on the team. Yeah. Um, no, we do I, have I a Tampa kid, Kyle Lance Tucker, right field. Lance kid. McCullers. Uh, I remember, McCullers. I, Hey, I remember dad and you've been around like I have in this area. I remember dad when he came out of Chamberlain high school and was a New York Yankees pitcher. Yeah. That's longer ago than I want to admit. And now Lance McCullers, a junior is a former number one pick and has already won a championship with them, hurt his arm and come back. Yeah. So there's a rooting interest there, uh, I, I guess, for him. And he's going to pitch as we're doing this, what, game three, right? They're giving him the ball to start at least game three. Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, the Phillies obviously were electric at the very beginning in this new wild card format where they were the third wild card team and given no chance, and they haven't right. stopped hitting the ball all right. through October, and now we're into November. Did you know that if this thing plays out to Saturday, it's the latest World Series we've ever had? No World Series is played beyond November the 4th. So if we get to this weekend, if it's not over for somebody Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right, and we get to Saturday, that's the latest the World Series has ever played. So I get that there's huge interest. What's fascinating is the Thursday night game now, because of the yes. rainouts, is going to go head-to-head with the Eagles, who are undefeated, playing, ironically, hilariously, the Houston Texans in Houston, right. while game five of the Phillies and the Astros is in Philadelphia. Right. So that, that's kind of wild. For the, we'll watch it unfold this week. Just forgive me if I, I'm... I'm not copping out on you. I just can't root for either one of these teams. I think the <laughs> Phillies will ultimately win. I do too. But uh, yeah, there we go on that. Yeah, be interesting. What's it's your much- thought? Are you? I mean, you thinking Philadelphia with? I do like Philadelphia. I, I think I think that home crowd mojo. I think they'll get back to Houston three two, and I think they'll figure out a way to win a sixth or seventh game in Houston. Because I'm with you. I, 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 Dusty Dusty Baker's cursed. I don't think he's going to win a World Series title. Guys had every <laughs> chance in the world to do it for 20 years and hasn't done it. And I'm with you. I think the Philly, I think Bryce Harper will, will emerge as the MVP. And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. With the here's Ra- the other question. Will Major League Baseball stick with the format or change the format again if the Phillies win the World Series because they will have let a third wild card team in for the first time. It's the first time they're doing it. Uh, and the Phillies were like 15 games behind the Mets as the yeah. number one wild card team. Yeah, so you let you let a team in that's 15 games behind the first place wild card team, and they go ahead and win the whole thing. My point with that is, in large in large part, you're devaluing the regular season, right? Big time, because you're already now, as it stands, letting let me get my math right, six teams in in each league, right, for the postseason to play in these series, 12 teams total. If you're going to let teams in as a third wild card team that are that far behind in the wild card standings, then your then your regular season, your July, August, and September doesn't mean nearly as much anymore. But are, but are we really? Are you and I and the average baseball fan really worried about the mid um, a Tuesday night in August? Not as much, and yeah, certainly I mean, they've gotten what they've wanted, which is more teams in the race the final two weeks of the season. Yes, exactly. That's what they want, but. I can understand where there's going to be plenty griping and complaining if the Phillies finish this off because in every year before this one, uh, and I'm trying to remember in the pandemic year, did they let three wild card teams in? I can't remember if they let three in or not. Maybe I think this is the that. first year. I think this that is the first year of the third. In. Yes. Yes. Because they, so, the, they used to have the one game wild card elimination game, obviously, where they would get rid of two, a couple of the wild cards in each side. Right. So, right. So, but we'll see uh, again for the Phillies. And the ratings were better uh, than what they've been over the last couple of years because they've been the lowest ratings ever for the World Series the last couple of years. It's come around a little bit. And Philadelphia's yeah. got a love-hate thing going on in the Northeast. So we'll see. Yep. We shall see if the if America cares on wow. Phillies Astros. All right, college football. We got a couple, we got a couple huge matchups this week, SEC matchups, playoff mm. implications and such. You got, uh, obviously, the showdown, Tennessee, Georgia. Stay tuned for that. We're going to talk more in depth with that with Vince Ferrara from My Knoxville man, here. right? Tampa brother from another mother, Vince yep. Ferrara. Love him Vince, in Knoxville. Vince, Vince works for the sports animal up in Knoxville. We're going to talk to Vince as we're done here with TJ. 
in depth on that game. But again, you you've been around these these SEC teams. You've covered a couple SEC games this year. LSU Alabama's this weekend. Notre Dame Clemson. So we got some definite oh, yeah. uh, upset alerts. You know, uh, potentially here, especially I think LSU's live. I think LSU's playing a lot better the last couple of weeks. Alabama's still Alabama. I get it, but Jaden Daniels and Brian Kelly getting it together a little bit. Baton Rouge, and then a tricky game. Notre Dame Clemson. Your thoughts. So the first thing is, we don't know this, but the college football playoff rankings are about to be out. So would you have Tennessee 1, Georgia 2? There's a great debate about that. Yes. That the Volunteers with the wins at Pitt and the win at LSU and now the win over Alabama, and then they just steamrolled Kentucky. Destroyed Kentucky, yep. Of course, Georgia won a home away from home game over Oregon to begin the year in Atlanta, and that looks better and better the more that Oregon continues to win. Yep. Uh, out west um that's it's fascinating for that game on who's one who's two where does ohio state fit in right where does michigan fit in where does tcu fit in tcu fit in where does clemson fit in if they continue to win right you mentioned clemson notre dame Uh, that will be fascinating um we'll see uh here uh over the course of the next couple of weeks which again, uh, it, it only underscores. We should underscore this when they when you see these college football playoff rankings. Under the current system with the Final Four, they're only interested in getting the two best teams to meet. It is right. not. It has never been. It is not in its current form designed to be a playoff to determine in the postseason who the champion is. This playoff has basically been to ensure the two best teams play. That was the whole motive behind it when they started it approximately eight or nine years ago was how do we get the two best teams to play so so the fascinating thing is tennessee and georgia are already playing ohio state and michigan have to play so this these are like de facto playoff games already right right. in the regular season alabama playing lsu alabama if they went out likely playing the winner of georgia tennessee perhaps a tennessee rematch those are de facto playoff games to get the best two teams to play each other and uh, and we shall see. Uh, I'm 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 uh, very curious about whether Tennessee can roll into Athens and get it done. I'm done picking against them because I went against them in the LSU game, <laughs> and they steamrolled LSU. I went against them last week for three dog Thursday purposes, taking Kentucky and the points in that, and they destroyed Kentucky. Their yeah. defense is better than I think what a lot of people realize. Yeah. My question, I'm going to go back to you. My question is. They're running into arguably the most complete team on both sides of the ball. Georgia's defense, probably better than Alabama's defense, better than LSU's defense. That's where I think the real key is. Can Tennessee do some of the same stuff on offense to Georgia's defense with Hendon Hooker, with Hyatt, the receiver? They got Tillman now as the other What do you think? I don't see Georgia's defense as being as devastating as they were last year. I watched some of that Florida game over the weekend. Florida, you know, third quarter, they got the ball moving a little bit. They, they made some plays, you know, that, that Tennessee offense is so much better than the Florida offense. You got much better quarterback play, play caller. You got a running game. You got a good offensive line. Georgia had a big injury. Nolan Smith, I think, is going to be out. One of their Georgia's big, better defensive players is going to be out this weekend. I think, I think the key is can Tennessee keep Georgia under 30? If, if Tennessee can limit Georgia to 30, the question is can Tennessee get to 31 or 35? And I think that will be a fascinating matchup in Athens – on the road again, biggest road test they've had, obviously. But I think I think that will be the key. Is not necessarily. I think Tennessee will score some points. I do. Remember they got their big receivers back, Cedric Wilson or Tillman. Their big yep. guy's been out several weeks. He's back along with Hyatt, and I just like Hendon Hooker 
running the offense. I'm smelling that you're going to talk more with Vince about this, but you're liking the big orange I do. Maybe in this game. And bear in mind, again, Alabama, very similarly last year, I saw them a couple of weeks ago with Mississippi State. They know they have to win out, yep. win the West. But remember, they did that a year ago off the Texas A&M loss. They, they won out. They won the West. They won dramatically in the Iron Bowl. Remember, at Auburn, drove the length of the field in the final minute, won the game like in double overtime. Once they got to the title game, you and I were in Atlanta. We yes. were not at the title game watching, and Alabama just took Georgia Apart. behind the house with a strap yep. uh, and, and whipped them. And uh, so if you're the Tide, you just want to take care of your business with LSU, take care of your business with Ole Miss next week, get into that championship game, yep. and maybe get your rematch with Tennessee or get another shot at Georgia in the championship game to play your way into the college football playoff. Because um, so if, you're, you're, if you're Tennessee or Georgia this week, if you win this game, you know you got a loss in the bag that you can still get beaten in the title game and go. I think right. the winner of this game, which Georgia the did a year to your games. point, Georgia did a year ago, and Alabama has gone with a loss in yes. years gone by. For sure. So you're right. If you win this matchup, Tennessee and Georgia, you are in some ways creating a cushion. You yes. don't want to lose, but you're sure. creating a cushion that if that loss is to Alabama in the championship game, yes. you can still get in the playoff. I agree with you. Absolutely. 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 So. I do think you'll see an upset in one of these three games. I think you'll see an upset, either Notre Dame, Tennessee, or LSU. I think somebody's going to pull wait, one. Wait, wait a minute. We're, we're we're having the election like in a week now as we release this. Are you running for political office? <laughs> we're going to have an we're going to have an upset in one of these three games. We That's are. not good enough on the Powers on Sports podcast. Give Which me Notre. One? Give me Notre Dame. Notre Dame, and they I think ten, and I think Tennessee will take Georgia to the wire. And, and Notre Dame looked great last week against Syracuse. I was all over them for three dog Thursday. I could not understand why Syracuse was the favorite in that game. Yep. And it proved out to be correct. Uh, Marcus Williams is a defensive mind, but I mean, they, they have figured some things out on offense. They run the ball. Clemson has been vulnerable. They went to yes. the kid at quarterback yep. uh, for the Syracuse game. The, uh, the young uh, Richard freshman, Klubnik. Yep. And is he going to be the guy? All right, so no, I'm I'm maybe backing you there on uh, on Notre Dame as the upset-minded team against Clemson. More Not so sold on DJ at quarterback. But listen, Saturday night in Baton Rouge, I've had the privilege yeah. of being there before on Saturday yeah. night, and that place rocks even more. It and wild. Remember, two years ago was the pandemic year when Alabama clobbered them, and they had about fifteen thousand people at Tiger Stadium, twenty thousand people because of right. the COVID nineteen rules. So now this is a totally different situation. And again, I, I was fortunate to work the game with Tiki Barber last year. LSU was a 26 or 27 point underdog yep. and hung right in with Alabama. We're physical on defense against Bryce Young. A lot of, a lot of guys from both teams were wow. in that game a year ago. And, and Jaden Daniels, mobile quarterback, always giving Saban problems. The mobile quarterback playing pretty well. Brian Kelly, people don't realize LSU six and two. Fluke lost to Florida State. They could easily be seven and one. I mean, right. they're, they're, they're they were coming. very impressive, especially in the second half against Ole Miss two weeks ago. Yep. They and Ole let's Miss. let's just see. And that was in the same setting in Baton Rouge. Let's just see uh, what happens here, because, again, Alabama knows their season's on the line. I will say this, too, in terms of the mobile quarterback. Will Anderson is the pass rushing defensive lineman slash linebacker for Alabama, and he may be the best defensive player in college football. Yes. So he'll be shadowing Jaden Daniels. That's going to be a fun matchup to watch. You got it. On, uh, on Saturday. 
All right, listen to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm here with TJ Reeves, Buccaneer Radio. We're getting ready to get to some NFL here in just a second. He also hosts the Three Dog Thursday podcast. It's now in the video version on YouTube. So Very definitely nice. Check it out. I know he does a daily uh, Bet US show. He does some Correct. stuff in the week, does some gambling stuff during the week, some football stuff and some uh, that stuff. So definitely we want, we'll let TJ promote all his stuff here in just a minute. And obviously, he hosts the uh, Big Fight Weekend podcast as well, all things boxing. So, all right, let's get to We're about the midpoint of the National Football League here in our beloved Tampa. Our Buccaneers are probably the biggest disappointment in the league through eight mm. weeks. Mm. Just give me a general overview of the Bucs, quick thought of it's. we know it's bad. We know it, they're struggling. I still think there's hope. I think, I hate to say this, I think Brady's off-field stuff being finally finalized and cleared up might help him a little bit free him up a little bit moving forward, but just your thoughts. You're on the sidelines every week. What do you, I've not seen a lot of passion out of this team. That's what's really disappointed me is the lack of passion I've seen exuded by the team throughout the season. Yeah. They have faced adversity really since losing the Kansas city game on the Sunday night and save for like the first half, maybe three quarters against Atlanta. They haven't put a full game together other than that. So that's puzzling. There are things that obviously concern you. The offense has continued to be inconsistent. Now, you had a great start to the last game last Thursday night with the Ravens. I would submit, and I'm not apologizing here. I'm just comparing because I've done this for long enough. If they had played in Carolina that first quarter that they played against the Ravens, both sides of the ball, they're up 14-0 on a bad team that would have quit, Jason in that game against Carolina with an interim coach. The problem is they sputtered. They, they almost wandered around aimlessly for the first half of that game, especially after Evans dropped the the bomb that everybody saw and everybody's talked about. They let Carolina gain confidence. Our analyst, Dave Moore, the former Buccaneer tight end on Buccaneers radio kept saying, you're empowering these guys. You're giving them belief that they can beat you. So the beginning of the game is not everything, and we saw it in the Baltimore game. The beginning of the game was only critical to get you the lead, and after that, they were able to figure out what the Buccaneers were doing offensively and, uh, and stop them and were able to run the ball and wear the Buccaneer defense down, putting them right, right. back out on the field. Right. So, but I, I just, I submit to you, you've seen some signs that things can be better, and let, let's see if the start against the Rams here looks good. This is a team that has had Sean McVay. That's a coach and a team that's had the Buccaneers number over the last couple of seasons, uh, even going back to the, the 2020 Super Bowl year. Remember right. they came in here and won on right. a Monday night in front of very few fans because of the COVID-19 restrictions. So we'll see. Um, you, one of, you one the of these teams, one of these teams will have six losses after nine games. Yeah. Well, the Ram, I was looking at this. The Rams are three and four because they've had their bye okay. week. They would be three okay. and five. Buccaneers would be three and six. That's okay. But who, I mean, who had that coming out of this game that one of these teams is either going to be three and six or three and five? I mean, you have an NFL, NFC playoff picture right now that has Green Bay, the Rams, and the Bucks all on the outside looking in. Right. Who had that even when the year got underway for the first two or three weeks? Right. That all of those teams in week eight would be outside the playoff picture. And everybody in the NFC would have a winning record or 500. <laughs> everybody in that division's 500 or better in the nfc east well yeah look at philadelphia look at the giants and how good they've been so in any event uh you mentioned brady the personal the personal stuff and does it refocus him uh you would hope so uh you you you've got to get back to a couple of things number one uh adjusting to the adjustments obviously obviously a third time obviously 
this team has not done a good enough job as games go on adjusting to adjustments that the other teams make. Right. That's why you keep having problems in the second quarter and the third quarter being able to run the ball and effectively score, uh, score in the red zone. You got to adjust to what other teams are doing to you. Right. And they haven't done nearly a good enough job uh, of that. So let's see if they can put a complete game together. I know there's a bunch out there and you're going to probably ask me about it here in a second about you said passion earlier, effort, another thing. Those things better be corrected. You've had 10 days yes. from the time you played Baltimore until we get to this game on Sunday to get revved up, to be focused, and to play with enthusiasm and play like your season is on the line. Because it is. If it you is. if you drop, this is not an overstatement, if you drop a sixth time in seven games, I don't want to say it's completely over, but you are in big, big trouble. If you don't come out and play with fire, play with passion and win this game. And by the way, this will have been a fourth loss in this stretch of losing six times in seven games at home, right? Protect the home field. It's not like all these games are road games. You already won the two hard road games at the beginning of the year, protect the home field and be able to get it done. I mean, the good news on a couple of fronts is the Rams are struggling and they, Jason, they don't run the ball the same way Baltimore runs the ball. So they should not be able to take advantage the same way that Baltimore did. And Matt Stafford is not Lamar Jackson on the read option going around the end. They should not be able to run the ball on this defense. I agree. No, I agree with you. All right. Quick, couple quick thoughts on the NFC. Obviously you have Philadelphia, you have Dallas to me, San Francisco's reinforced now with Christian McCaffrey. Oh my goodness. What do you like in the NFC? The 49ers are coming on. The Cowboys look good defensively and, and seem to be protecting Dak Prescott a little better. They haven't been spectacular on offense. The yep. Eagles yep. obviously look good. Jalen Hurts is coming into his own. But again, if the Buccaneers could get in front of the Eagles, they have mojo over Philadelphia, especially in the postseason right now, yep. including a big win a year ago. And those things might matter. So, yeah, the, the NFC appears to be the East and everybody else trying to figure it out. And and the Minnesota Vikings have done yes. well with a first-year coach, but yep. you wonder if that's going to hold up. So let's just see. You want a little ray of sunshine? Yes. You want a little ray of sunshine? If the Buccaneers can just get to like a fifth win and a sixth win towards the end of this season, we saw a 7-9 and nine Washington football team make the playoffs two years ago. That team was 2-7. and seven. I looked it up. They won some games late. They won their final game to go seven and nine and made the playoffs. 2015, 20, 2014, excuse me, Carolina Panthers, three, eight, and one through 12 games. <laughs> Remember how bad the Lovey Smith Bucks were? Everybody else was bad in the NFC South that year. Yeah. They won their final four games of 2014, Carolina with Cam Newton to finish seven, eight, and one. And the one tie was the tiebreaker to beat the saints who were seven and nine to win the division. My point is get to a fifth or a sixth win for the end of the schedule that has Arizona Carolina at home and at Atlanta, which the division could be up for grabs in the playoff spot in that game in Atlanta at the very end of the year. If you're at a fifth or a sixth win, you're in it. You're still in it. That's the idea. And the other key of these next two weeks for the Bucks is their NFC games, too. So their tiebreaker games, sure. Seattle and the Rams, who are both wild card kind of teams. So if, if the Bucks, for some reason, maybe the Bucks' only chance in is to win the division. We don't know. But if they don't, if they're in that wild card hunt, these these are going to be tiebreaker Great games. Point. Rams and, and, and Seahawks these next two weeks. 
and and really, I mean, the losses that you've had, Pittsburgh, um, and also Kansas City, and now Baltimore, they're they're not for tiebreaker purposes the same as as you Correct. mentioned to losing to the Rams or the Ravens or the 49ers later in the year right. that you may have to have a head to head. You've already lost to the Packers that could be a head to head for a wild card. But my my thing is, it's a bad division still. The New it Orleans is. Monday night game looms big. But those last three games yep. at Arizona Christmas night, Carolina at home, and then final game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium against Atlanta, your playoff spot is within your reach if you can just get to a fifth or sixth win by then. And I think this team can do that. Yes, Just, just get, get in range for the eighth, the ninth victory to win the division. Maybe to win 10 right now, and I know you got to go in a second, to win 10, you've got to win seven of your last nine games. Right. All right, maybe that's doable. Nine and eight. Probably it's more, a nine and eight. Nine probably, and eight. Probably more realistic that you're like six and three, maybe seven and two, but nine wins is probably going to be enough. Yes. We'll it see. will. It will. It will. I agree. All right, let's go to the AFC quick. And then Buffalo, Kansas City, the clear kings yes. of that conference through through uh, through eight weeks. Um, who else do you see in the AFC? Do you like Miami? Do you like Baltimore? Can I, can I tell you Baltimore with adding, adding Roquan Smith? Yeah. Yep. to their lineup and they already got Jason Pierre Paul who's trying to come into his own remember he had no training camp no preseason etc they get Calais Campbell who didn't play in the Buccaneer game back and you got an outstanding coach they scheme they adjust yep. they are tremendous they're going to be a contender and I think Tennessee by the same token we haven't mentioned them yeah they get Ryan Tannehill back healthy it'll make a difference but Malik Willis the young quarterback but they got Henry running the ball they play defense they've got experience they've got to show it in the postseason AFC appears to be much stronger. Uh, Miami, too. Yep. I was uh, impressed with them, with Tua. Tua. If they can keep him upright in the explosive offense, yep. they've won games. They've made they've made big plays. They've, they've made big plays again against Detroit uh, last week. Uh, so, yeah, the AFC, very competitive. But Kansas City and Buffalo look like the two top teams, like they may re be rematching again. Uh, the Bills, a complete football team, and boy, there were a lot of people that were knocking Josh Allen's inaccuracy in college and, right. and playing against lesser competition in the Mountain West. That guy has developed into one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL making the throws. And so Buffalo, I would say Buffalo's a favorite. Would you agree with that? Buffalo's I, probably the favorite, even though Mahomes and Kansas my, City have been right there. I agree. Those two teams are the cream of the crop to me in the AFC. My one fear for Buffalo, and this is a Josh Allen thing, he refuses to get run out of bounds. One of these days, he's going to get hit, and he's not going to get up. He's going to get a rib injury, uh, and, you know, a kidney right. hit. He 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 likes the contact too much for my liking when he runs the ball. I don't mind him running design runs, but get down or get out of bounds. He Amen. he initiates too much the contact. Phrase I have heard is know when the journey is over. Yes, and and oh by the way, throwing the ball away is not the worst thing either. Yes. Just throw it away and. So we'll see, but with them, uh, especially if they get home games yes, in Buffalo I in agree. January, hoo-hoo, uh, hello, in the cold and the snow for yep. those guys, uh, and we'll see. We'll see if they can hang in there, have home field advantage. So should be wild, and I, I promise I will report back not only after the Rams game, but after we head to Germany for the first say, ever NFL game journey. So we leave, my understanding is we leave on Thursday, and so we'll have an opportunity on Friday and Saturday to go see some things in Munich and in and around Munich. This is the first ever NFL game preseason or regular season in Germany. So, and, and who knew welcome to the 2022 NFL where the Buccaneers were supposed to be really good. And Seattle was supposed to be awful without right. Russell Wilson. 
Right. Right now, as it stands, the Seahawks are really good, and the Bucks desperately need this game because they've been bad yeah. right. as of late. Right. Welcome to the crazy NFL. So I'll report back after uh, after we go hang out in Munich. I'll report back here on the Powers on Sports Podcast. You're gonna have, you, you got your sauerkraut and all that stuff ready to go. I'm not a big kraut guy, but I will eat. I've eaten schnitzel, and they have the pastries. I'll have to go try some different things, and 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 I'm not a beer guy. Everybody's about Oktoberfest and how right. Oktoberfest will have just ended, but I will go see it. It's it's interesting. Uh, to me about playing a game there. Of course, this is the 50th anniversary. I know you got to go. 50th anniversary of the horrific terrorist attacks at the Munich right. Summer Olympics where the Israeli athletes were murdered and, and right. killed. They have a remembrance there. They have a memorial there. I would like to go see that. There's a lot of culture there. And Might even catch a Bundesliga of, game. Bayern Munich. But we got, we got all kinds of uh, subplots that don't have anything to do with American football. So they're going to look at us as outsiders and aliens. But we will have we will have fun being there. And then it will be between the lines, between the Buccaneers and the Seattle Seahawks. And the normalcy will be there for that game. We'll see what happens, Brother Powers, for that one in Germany in a couple weeks. I'm going to give you one more. I'm going to give you one more minute to make comment. Our, our buddy, Mr. Cadillac Williams, now the head interim head coach at Auburn. Thrilled what do you think, Auburn, do you think Auburn does? Him. I don't know what's going to happen. It's a mess there. I'll, I'll work the Iron Bowl. I keep promoting things. I'll work the Iron Bowl, Alabama and Auburn. Cadillac never lost to Alabama, by the way. 4-0. Cadillac's entire family is Alabama Crimson Tide, except for him. <laughs> How about that? And he's now the Auburn interim coach. Good for Cadillac. He's been the running backs coach there. Yep. What else? Great guy. Let's see what he can do as an interim coach there and get that situation. All right. Tell everybody where they can find all your great work. Hey, follow me at Bucks Sideline Guy, Buccaneers Radio, 98 Rock. Buccaneers mobile app is where you can hear all of it. We've got the Bucks and the Rams this weekend. Big Fight Weekend is the website and the podcast for the boxing. And Three Dog Thursday, the show is on BetUS TV. Podcast, wherever you get podcasts, Three Dog Thursday. We love picking underdogs. College football in the NFL. Always great to be with you, Jason Powers. And I have to give I have to give Miss now that he's on. I only get him on a couple times a year. I got to get during the football season. Got to give him a little credit. Credit. He he's our he is our he is our Jason Light of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Yes. Our general manager gave me the opportunity to do the uh, Florida Football Insiders yes. podcast, and obviously we have a lot of other guys around the country doing other stuff, other conferences, and all. So thank you for that. We've enjoyed doing that. Coach Levitt's been great. I've been able to get Coach Levitt. So he's been fantastic. So appreciate that uh, opportunity to do that. So I just want to tell you that. Any any cool Halloween stories real quick? We're all good. The twins were good. One dressed as a superhero, one dressed as a nurse. They're still doing Halloween, and we got far too much candy. I need to give you some. I know you got to run. And I'll be on Steinbrenner Friday night refereeing. Steinbrenner High School in Tampa, right by us. Yes. You be well, brother. All right, buddy. Have a great week. Special thanks to our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions and Realtor Star Alvarado. If you are looking to sell your home or are looking to purchase a home anywhere in the Tampa Bay area, from Tampa to St. Pete to Wesley Chapel and everywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She will be a great advocate for you on both the selling side and the purchasing side of the real estate transaction. So Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. Print and Marketing Solutions. Do you have a corporate event? Do you have golf tournaments? Are you involved in an election? Do you need signs, banners, road signs? Uh, do you need marketing pieces? Do you need color copies, business cards, everything in between? Reach out to Todd Tedesco 
813-498-2887. Todd's located off of the, the intersection of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. He is a full-service print and digital marketing supplier. Anything you need in the print and print needs, Todd can help you. So reach out to Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887, Print and Marketing Solutions. All right, welcome back. Powers on Sports Podcast. You just heard from TJ Reeves. Gave you a little potpourri of the sports world. Now we are dialing in to the game of the of the May, probably the year. Forget about the SEC National. This is the game of the year, probably the biggest game of Tennessee football in almost 25 years, back to the 98 uh, national title team. And no better person to talk to this uh, talk matchup in, in Athens Saturday afternoon, 3.30 CBS, than Vince Ferrar, our buddy down at 99.1, the sports animal, Tampa guy. He'll be, uh, you know, he's he's right there in Knoxville, Tennessee, right in the, the heart of it all. Welcome back, Vince. Tampa, brother, good to be on with you. Appreciate you having me. Never thought we'd have you on three times in about six weeks, but, man, these <laughs> Tennessee volunteers keep shocking, I will say shocking the world, but keep doing what they got to do, taking care of business. I know a lot of people thought last week that Kentucky game could be a kind of a trap game, and they came out and destroyed Kentucky. 44 to six Georgia does what they got to do with the cocktail party, you know, gets a little dicey there in the third quarter against Florida, but they put them away early in the fourth quarter. But uh, just give us, give us the, uh, the atmosphere in Knoxville. We are recording this midweek here. Give us the atmosphere in Knoxville as we head to the showdown in Athens. Yeah. uh, First I didn't buy into the trap game stuff, not with this team. Yes. It had the ingredients and you can point to things that Kentucky had the open week and, you know, Georgia looming, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, the ingredients were there, but I knew better with this Tennessee football team. Been there, done that, learned your lessons and doubting them earlier in the year. And and you mentioned shock and then you corrected yourself. So a lot of people have to do, they have to flush what your preconceived notions of this team were. And it's this, this is an incredible team. The reaction is Tennessee in the college football rankings is ranked number one. <laughs> and, and, and we're recording this about an hour after the rankings come out. Yeah. Tennessee one, Ohio State two, Georgia three, Clemson four. Yeah. So just the fact that Tennessee is one is so joyous to Tennessee fans. They know what's ahead of them on Saturday. But I try to preach it. I think other people in the media are too. Enjoy it. Enjoy yes. ride. It's been so long. Or you get nervous about where you're going to show up in the rankings or, you know, wondering if your team is going to get it done this week. But you're in position to be discussed at the end of the college football playoff selection show. The first selection show of the year and Tennessee has its head coach interviewed after them be, being announced number one. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I think Tennessee fans, for the most part, are enjoying this. It is, it's crazy. It's wild. Uh, we were taking on our afternoon show today when we were recording it. Um, it. We were taking a whole bunch of college football playoff scenario type of calls. Oh, yeah. But hey, go for it because when else have you been able to do this? You haven't. And, um, and so that, that's the overriding thing is just, so impressed and and, and pumping fans are pumping their chest out too. And I don't blame them for that either because should they're yeah, they're outperforming anyone's expectations. 
and they got a lot, a lot to be excited about with this football team. People don't, people, a lot of people don't even realize this is only year two of Heifel. Two years right. ago, it was a dumpster fire with Jeremy Pruitt. People were leaving left and right. I remember you and I talked last year how many guys had transferred out. And, you know, they had a good, you know, even Hendon Hooker. And Hooker wasn't even the starter until midway through last year. I mean, until the second or third game of last year. I mean, yeah. nobody even knew who Hendon Hooker was a year ago. And for him, for Heifel to be on head and, head and shoulders top of the mountain in his first playoff release. From a recruiting perspective, this has got to be huge for this Tennessee program. Oh, Jason, everything in this ride has been gold. The, the scene for Alabama with the fans and the goalposts, when you just beat Alabama and snap the streak, the cigars, uh, all of that kind of stuff, the national attention that they've gotten, all that is gold in recruiting. Because don't think they didn't have 100 or so recruits there on hand to witness it all. Uh, this class is pretty much full, so it's more a benefit for down the road for them yeah. and um, and being able to put those on uh, on one sheets and, and different kind of things to, to send the recruits. So it has been gold from that standpoint. But um, the, Tennessee is is legit. And um, I, I think I think, you, again, you have to kind of pinch yourself to wait, Tennessee is in this position, but then you, you have to adjust. Yeah. And a lot of us have adjusted and wondering, all right, this is a week for the letdown and all that bad opponent, good opponent, great opponent. It doesn't matter. They're week to week with this football team. And, um, and there isn't any of that, that, that kind of stuff with, uh, with them. So uh, just, just been wild with, uh, with everything they've, they've done and, uh, I expect them to be ready to go on Saturday too. Got to be pretty easy on the network, ninety-nine-one, just to turn on the volume and let 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 the calls come. You ain't got to <laughs> do much work if you're a host this week. Yeah, and in, in in reaction to all these games yeah. too, you, it it is it's it's so much more enjoyable. You're right; it is easier. You don't have to theme out shows yeah. or kind of distract them from into something else. You can you can deliver the goods and do and talk about what everybody cares about and that's Tennessee football the most crazy thing is there's a lot of other great things going on in Tennessee athletics as well basketball team is going to be really good baseball spent a bunch of time at number one yeah a lot of other Olympic sports are having the best run they've had in a long time Danny White's got this thing rolling I can't remember a time where the athletic department as a whole was performing better than right now and certainly it's uncharted territory for a long time for Tennessee football all right let's get into the matchup a little bit let's let's start with the uh, Tennessee offense versus the Georgia defense no Nolan Smith for Georgia big big loss there one of their key older guys you know veteran guy that's been around how do you see I mean obviously the one of the big advantages you, you, you'll hear all the analysts talk about Tennessee is their wide formations how they open up gaps in the field how they provide opportunities for the running game you, you can't really stack the box because you, you got the wide formations just talk a little about the Tennessee offense versus that Georgia defense yeah and you you mentioned a, a an important part of this game and that's Nolan Smith being out talked to Chip Towers from the Atlanta Journal Constitution that, that covers Georgia and he said the biggest thing is his leadership. I mean, he is always motivating, getting guys in the right place. And unfortunate because he's a guy that came back to school right, right. and passed on the draft or else he would have been a pretty high draft pick last year as well. So you hate it for him as a senior. 
But look, that's a position that they have recruited big time. So they've got other guys that they can put in there. Not as good as Nolan Smith, but young guys with potential. Maybe somebody shows out with an opportunity with an experienced guy that in front of them that they weren't able to do before. So they, they're stacked with four and five stars on this Georgia roster. We'll see how that plays out. I, I think it's a, it's a very tough matchup for Georgia's defense for Tennessee. Now, if anyone can try to scheme something up, you'd have to say it'd be Kirby Smart and, and this Georgia staff. Smart was asked in the postgame, how do you prepare for what Tennessee does offensively with everything they do, the tempo and balance and hooker and all that? And he started laughing. It's like, good question. If that's the age old thing that defense coordinators are trying to figure out is how do you prepare and practice to get you ready for what you're going to see in speed and execution and precision on game day. And honestly, they can't. Similarities in personnel and in scheme with Alabama and Tennessee moved up and down the field and scored a bunch of points on Alabama. So uh, I, it's it's talk, not talk just about, talk about the O line matchup versus that defensive line. Jalen Carter back for Georgia last week. Yeah, you know, the Tennessee O line has been very very cohesive, run, both running the ball and in pass protection. Yeah, and Tennessee's balance. They're running running back one two punch of Jabari Small. Jalen Wright has been terrific, and they can also run with Hendon Hooker. Also, uh, Jalen Wright's coming off probably his best game in terms of physical runs, impressive runs. And they've been able to stay healthy. So that's been their, their three guys in the run game. The offensive line, that's another big reason why they've been successful. Tennessee's offensive line has been awesome. So much better than what we thought. Jason, they've had the SEC offensive lineman of the week three straight weeks. Wow. Right tackle, Darnell Wright, a former five-star. He moved from left tackle to right tackle this season. Man, he has been awesome. He went headed head-to-head and and held down Will Anderson at, at Alabama a bunch. Yeah. Um, it, when B.J. Ojolari was on his side from LSU, Kentucky had a number of really good pass rushers they put there. He's been unreal. He's earned himself a lot of money. He's gotten into the higher draft uh, conversation. And then Jerome Carvin, last week was offensive lineman of the week, right two weeks. And, uh, and Jerome Carvin last week, he's a veteran. Javante uh, uh, Spragan has been offensive lineman of the week as a guard. They've had a, a couple of guys at left tackle, but both of them have done well. And then Cooper Mays is a rock in the middle where he's the key piece to getting them in that tempo. Jalen Hyatt's first touchdown, they ran the next play in nine seconds. I mean, it is lightning fast, but that O-line has been good in pass pro and in, uh, in the run game. Let me say this about the matchup with the offense and defense overall. Jason, it's not just the tempo and spreading you out. It's the fact that they have so many different playmakers right. and so many different threats. You are in space conflict. You're in time conflict. And then you end up getting in the, in the worst possible matchup. Tennessee gets Jalen Hyatt on stand-up linebackers and rush ends in safeties <laughs> all the time. He's got he's set Tennessee's single season yep. touchdown record and he's got already he's up to fifth in the career touchdown record. And this is a school that's had a lot of great wide receivers get to the NFL. 
that's that kind of productivity, and they're constantly getting them in favorable matchups with those guys. And it's because of all the threats. It's because of subtle movements. And then so safeties are on them. And then their corners are passing Hyatt off to safeties over the top who are coming in on Tillman or McCoy. Uh, There are so many weapons. There's so much speed on the outside. They have big receivers. Now with Tillman back, he'll be 100% for the first time in this Georgia game. It even adds to the conflict. Other guys that have come in have done a great job. Tight ends can be a threat in the middle of the field. They're protecting Hooker, who knows everything, and he makes the right decisions and finds those matchups if it's not done by the coaching staff and the play call before that. Uh, Just they have it all humming right now. All right, defensively, obviously, this will be the place that everybody looks at Tennessee. If they have a weakness, it's defensively. You know, I know they've gotten better and better throughout the year. Obviously, you gave up a big number to Alabama, but you shut down Kentucky. You played pretty consistently. They've been opportunistic with the turnovers. Is this where do you think Georgia really goes after their defensive line? Where do you think Georgia really t- tries to attack Tennessee defensively? Well, I, I Georgia is by committee in a lot of areas, including with their running backs and their receivers. Use a lot of different guys. And they're really good up front on the offensive line. So, yeah, Georgia's going to want to run the rock. But Tennessee's ninth in the country in rush defense. That's been their strength. And they've gotten better and better as the year has gone on. So they're mm-hmm. they're putting up that wall. Now, teams have had more success in passing against Tennessee's pass defense. But I don't think the numbers really reflect. They're 127th in pass defense. They're better than that. One, teams are throwing a lot more. A lot of times they're throwing from behind on the scoreboard. And then also, Tennessee's offense puts them on the field a lot quicker. And the third thing is they've had a bunch of injuries. They also got Jalen McCullough back from sitting out after – they haven't called it a suspension, but basically after his legal issue. So he's back at safety. He makes all the calls in the secondary. The guy that filled in for him at safety, Danico Slaughter, moved to corner last game. And he was fantastic. Forced one interception, uh, had another three interceptions. They lead the SEC in turnovers and interceptions. So that's a big jump from last year. Another thing they're better at is third down. They're 30, 33% defense on third down. That is a huge improvement from last year. Those are two things, turnovers and third downs, that we talked about as keys for them being better this year. And they have been. It's the yards are there against them passing. Right. But another area is they've been better in red zone also. Right. right. So you give up the yards, but you, you get a key stop here and there. That's the recipe. And I've trotted this out there a little bit. I was the recipe of the 2019 LSU team. Their, their defensive numbers weren't out of this world, but they had some dudes to get red stops zone. when they needed it. Red zone With stops. a prolific offense. Yep with a prolific offense and elite quarterback, those offensive numbers are almost identical to Burrow and LSU 2019. Yeah. LSU's defensive numbers are a little bit better, but man, as the year went on, it was tougher for their defense. They still got it done and won games against great opponents. And this Tennessee team is on that similar track. Uh, their t- turnovers will be big in this game for sure. Georgia doesn't have elite wide receivers, but they do have an elite tight end group. You know, that's to me, that's the safety matchups with Washington and Brock Brock Bowers is going to be huge because, you know, Bennett, when it's a big moment, he's going to Brock Bowers or Washington more times than not. Absolutely. And you're seeing them on the field together sometimes also. 
because they'll even split out Washington as a, a massive human Six, being. seven, two seventy five. Yeah. And he can run, obviously, as a five-star. They have three five-star tight ends in their room. Yeah. Just insane. A couple of them, you know, Gilbert and uh, – that Don't even play. Even they don't even play. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's really sick. An embarrassment of riches. Delp is the other guy that's a, uh, yeah. a, a former five-star. But, yeah, Bowers moves around. They'll use him on jet sweeps. They'll split him out. Uh, they'll use him in the backfield throw to him screens down the field. He can do, he can do it all. So Tennessee's already said this week in our interviews with the coaches and players, they got to know where he's at at all times. And it opens things up for other guys, even though it's by committee, you know, yep. McConkie and some of these other guys get opportunities because there's so much focus on Bauer. So, right. um, you know, and, and usually Stetson Bennett has time also, which uh, helps. So yeah, that the tight end, that's, Tennessee, if they have a weakness to me more than anything, it's pass coverage in the middle of the field, right? Especially with their linebackers who are better in pass coverage, but still will give up some plays. That's where Georgia can hurt Tennessee. Question is, is they get yards, all that. Can they get the stops in the red zone and get enough to where you put your offense back on the field and then get an extra score yeah. or two? All right. Last thing I'll talk about that we'll get a predict. We'll get now prediction. We'll get it. We'll get a, a kind of a, overview here special teams obviously these huge games special teams blunders or making a play on special teams field position stuff critical give us a quick synopsis of the Tennessee kicker and the punter as far as good job making kicks pressure kicks and then obviously your punter and your return game being able to create a little field position well Tennessee's punter has a fresh leg I'll tell you that <laughs> Paxton Brooks not on the field all that much uh he is 14 punts this year yeah in eight games right and he had three last game he right. had he had uh like three punts in the first three sec games something ridiculous uh tennessee has a, has a punting advantage after uh georgia's punter drafted by the tampa bay buccaneers yeah uh th they're not as good there so i think tennessee has a punting advantage and then place kicking, probably pretty close, although Georgia's place kicker has only missed a couple of kicks. Right. Whereas Tennessee's Chase McGrath, he's had a really – he's had a, a good year, but he's missed a couple extra points now. One was blocked. Well, no, one he missed last week after a penalty pushed them back, and then he had uh, one other miss earlier, which has been very rare. But – um, you know, and the ugliest, was, ugliest make in the history of the program. That's yeah. that was the ugliest kick I've ever seen as a former kicker that actually made it, and it wasn't yeah, blocked. After he, yeah, after he had missed a, <laughs> a crucial kick earlier in the game, right? Uh, he came through in that area. But USC transfer, uh, good from you know fifty-two in. So, and then yeah. Tennessee probably has the best coverage unit in the league. Good, give up returns. They're excellent there. Uh, punt return I might even give Tennessee an advantage there D Williams Juco DB uh, he's been excellent upgraded them to give them a threat there kickoff returns no one's really doing any of that these days in in, uh, in football but I, I would give Tennessee a slight edge on paper in special teams again you can't measure this guy I know Baton Rouge was a good environment but it was a 12 o'clock game they're not going to have seen an environment like it is going to be in Athens 3 30 Saturday do you think that the Tennessee guys are are professional enough to handle that if things don't go great if there's a false start here and there you know do you think that that they're they're capable and experienced enough to be able to go into this environment and win the game 
I do because they operate at such a fast pace that doesn't depend on making a ton of calls at the line of scrimmage. They know what they're doing and they go and their coaches get them in the right place. So often they don't have to make a lot of adjustments. They're not changing formations and moving guys from one side of the field to the other a ton. Uh, so yeah, the, the way they go, I think that's a neutralizer to, to a, a visiting crowd that's really loud. Um, so I, I think Tennessee is as equipped as anyone to handle that. Plus just the poise that they've, they've operated with so often. Their defense is actually used to it. That's another factor. Home crowd, crowd's going nuts. They still have to be able to communicate at home. Right. And so I don't think that's going to be an issue in this game either. Georgia's going to make plays, but I, so th that's another reason why Tennessee is better equipped at that. Here's another reason. Tennessee at times has slowed things down, especially on third down. They didn't last year and they've been really good when they do slow it down and they can execute. And that's been in loud environments, did it LSU pit. Uh, Georgia's on another level, but I, I think this Tennessee team veteran, the way they, they do things, just not phased by anything. So I don't think that'll be a big factor in this game. Last question. What's the number that Tennessee's got to get to to win? I mean, you know, they're probably, do they need to get to 35 or do they think they got to get a four, get to 40? Whew. Uh, 35 is kind of the number I had in mind. Um, I wonder if Kirby Smart is going to go for it on fourth down a little bit more. Right. Try to keep some of those possessions down for Tennessee. Billy Napier had success with it. Brian Kelly did not. Mark Stoops didn't really have much of an opportunity to because they were down big pretty early. Uh, so I, I wonder if, if Kirby – and he he'll, he'll have confidence in his offense and Bennett too. So that will be a, a key part of this game. So maybe the possessions end up being down a little bit. Uh, so I, I will say 35, but – Josh Heupel, um, he doesn't coach game, excuse me, very many games where they're under 30. Yeah. They haven't been this year. <laughs> um, so that that's kind of usually the magic number. They win over 30, they lose. Heupel hasn't won a game where his teams, as a head coach, where his teams have scored under 30. And this team, I don't think, is doing, doing that in this game. So I, I would say 35, but it, it'll probably get to over 40, you know, the 42 to 38, somewhere in that range. And here's the, here's the interesting thing about this game. It's a de facto playoff game because yeah. most people think whoever wins this game, if they can get to the SEC title game undefeated, win or lose in the title game, they're going to the playoff. Do you agree? I do. And I don't think either one of these two teams coming off of an emotional, important win, I don't think they'll have a letdown after that. Not with the schedule they have. Not with the way, especially Tennessee's handled their business. They've handled their business actually a little bit better than Georgia in those lesser games. Georgia had those two close calls. With Kent State and Missouri, Tennessee has walloped everybody. Right. Um, so it, I don't think they'll have a letdown. So yeah, it, it, it almost is an entry into it. It's hard to say 100% right. who else is in the mix and all that. It definitely, I think, is a is the winner goes to Atlanta if nothing else. And for Tennessee standpoint, that's what the players and are talking about as their goal: want to win the SEC championship. If you do you're going to be in the playoff and it takes care of itself. All right, my man, what's the, uh, what's the Saturday agenda? I know you're going to be in Knoxville. What's the, what's the viewing? Are you going to be at the house? You're going to be out somewhere. What do you, what do you do? What, what are you going to be doing Saturday afternoon about three 30? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of social media stuff, so much pregame stuff as we can share on our social media accounts. 
which is Sports Animal 991 and on the website 991thesportsanimal.com. We'll probably do a little pregame and put that out there. And then, you know, at home with my Q Mini Golden Doodle Daphne and <laughs> taking notes, got to be quiet, man. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to be out with the fans and stuff. I got to, I got to put the content up and work on it, take notes and, and uh, just be ready to react to it and score updates and all that stuff. So I'll, I'll be at home and uh, man, it's just going to be wild that you got one versus three and Tennessee's involved in it, but you know, enjoying the ride. No, I mean, again, in Tennessee being the one, not the three, that's the other right. amazing part. <laughs> well, Vince, again, if you're in the Tennessee area, anywhere in the Southeast, Vince does tremendous work. He, he does all the pre and post game stuff, video stuff, 99.1. He does Friday night football in Knoxville. So I'm sure if you're in that region, you've heard Vince call do great job on Friday night with your man, Jay Graham. Yeah. I know the high school season is getting close to being wrapping up up there. Probably some playoffs getting ready to start, but yep. uh, yep. But just like down here, we're about ready to start the playoffs, but man, have a great weekend, man. Thanks for the awesome, awesome analysis, awesome breakdown, and good luck. You're the man. Appreciate it. Maybe we'll see you in some big games in uh, around the holidays, and I'll get down to Tampa, and we'll, uh, we'll hang out. So thanks for having me, Jeff. You got it, Vince. Appreciate it. Have a great uh, week, and we'll be right back on the Powers on Sports podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.